breaking news out of below average Joe's HQ as one Dominic Salee and Noah Baker have agreed to a deal, a deal that will reinstate Noah back into the below average bet slip. However, Dominic understands though that there is a price that must be paid since, well, I'm going to stop talking to third person since I did not reach my goal of two straight weeks of three for three on ghost bets. He said a, a, a price must be paid. Blood must be spilt in order to get you back into the bet slip. So the deal that has been agreed upon is that basically my comeback to the bet slip will happen for UFC 285, John Jones versus Cyril Gunn, a massive pay-per-view, tons of opportunities on that card. However, before that card, we will do a verbal sparring where me and Dominic go tip for tack, question for question, 10 questions all surrounding the world of MMA mostly. Mm-hmm. For every question on that episode, I must indulge myself into a single blazing wing from B-dubs all the way up to the 10th question, 10 questions, 10 blazing wings, no water. No milk. And then I can be reinstated. Dominic, care to comment on this breaking manner matter? You no, know, yeah. There's there's only one way that it could have been done. Ghost bets hitting aside. And this is the way. This is the way for Noah's reinstatement. And now all of you are loyal listeners and viewers and fans and community that we've built over these past two and a half years. You get to be a part of it. You get to witness greatness the biggest comeback in mma podcast history and it goes down right here on this channel stay tuned well said well said is it uh are blazing wings made with ghost pepper because that'd be kind of funny if uh my ghost bets couldn't hit and then i have to indulge myself to ghost pepper you know what they may be now i have a feeling that they changed it to either ghost pepper or carolina reaper either way your asshole is going to be burning mm. Yeah, this is true. I, I I have a decent spice tolerance. Well, by decent, I mean like when it comes to B-dubs, though, I feel like their sauces are pretty hot. So I can get up to like um, mango habanero and like mm-hmm. I can do it, you know, mm-hmm. I can do it. I can withstand it, mm-hmm. but it definitely is hot. I've had blazing wings one time and I, I've, I, my ability to talk was minimal. So this is going to yeah. be very interesting to see how this goes because it's technical. Very true. Yeah. And it's a show that requires you to talk. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, episode 266 starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Episode 266. I am one half of your hosting duo. My name is Noah Baker, the man to my right. Mm. He is fair, but he is just. That is Dominic Salee. Dominic, how are you doing? We are coming on the heels of what is a massive weekend in, for the UFC. and mm. I think in a lot of ways it lived up to the hype, Dominic. So how do you feel less than 24 hours following that event? Oh, man. It, it's been a little while since I had a nice little fight hangover. But today I do, but it's a it's a good one. No one that I'm not like down in the, you know, the slumps. I'm tired. I'm trying to wake back up. No, I'm very much vibrant here today for the show. 
UFC 284 was quite historical, man. Back in Australia, that crowd from start to finish was incredible. One of the best crowds that there has been since the UFC has went back onto the road and traveling places after the pandemic. Uh, so that was incredible. The fights were great. The main event, as we're about to talk about, somehow exceeded the expectations that we had already set for it. Uh, it was just historical. It was lovely to get to witness a night like that as an MMA fan. And, uh, you know, you kind of said it best. That card is really kickstarting a very, very massive, you know, next two, three, four months for the MMA game and for the UFC specifically. So if this is any indication, they've set the tone, they've set the standard. I'm very excited, Noah. How are you this Sunday afternoon, this Super Bowl Sunday afternoon? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, you are completely correct about the fight hangover. However, at the same time, I don't know if I can ever, I don't know if I've ever been able to say I've had a hangover that I'm like, hell yeah, I enjoy this. <laughs> but this one, I'm kind of like, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when we played football in high school and you go into morning lifting and film the next day and you're so sore. But man, I used to miss, I love, I miss that feeling of like feeling like you really yeah. did something, you know? You, yeah. Like you worked hard. So you're like, your body, your whole body's sore. What is it? The lactic acid buildup yep. in your in your <laughs> muscles or whatever. So, um, like, that is a bit of what I'm feeling today. I feel accomplished sitting on my couch for eight hours, all in a day's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, feeling good. So, as we said, we're gonna go over all of UFC 284. Uh, we have some fight announcements to talk about as well. A little bit of rumors for the Ultimate Fighter this season. So mm -hmm. uh, it all starts, though, Dominic, with that main event from UFC 284. Islam Makachev retains his lightweight title. He gets to win via unanimous decision over the featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky. I'm just going to, as the start of the conversation, Dom, I'm just going to present you with some history here. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can debate the term super fight or mega fight. You know, there's no doubt this fight applies. But yeah. in terms of what fights in UFC history apply to that, sure, you could really pick and choose like some of the biggest fights in UFC history and argue that they are a super fight or a mega fight. However, I think the most basic uh, way to determine a super fight, champion versus champion, is obviously mm -hmm. a super fight. And Dominic, there have been seven of those now in UFC history after last night. And I'm just going to go through the list for you. And okay. you can tell me. And we'll, we'll when I get to the end, I'll ask you a question. So, of course. our last one, Dom, UFC two, 232, Amanda Nunes versus Chris Cyborg. Mm -hmm. Before that, the first fight night on ESPN, Henry Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw. Mm-hmm. UFC 226, Stipe versus Daniel Cormier. Yep. UFC 205, Eddie Alvarez versus Conor McGregor. UFC 94, GSP versus BJ Penn. And technically, this one, I'm throwing this one in there, even though it really isn't. It's not UFC champion versus UFC champion, but it was billed as champion versus champion, that's UFC 75, where the UFC's light heavyweight champion at the time, Quentin Page Jackson, fought the pride 
champion Dan Henderson, who had just come to the mm. UFC. So yeah. it was billed as champion versus champion. So I threw it on there. Um, but you can argue if that really should be on there. So that right there, that is seven super fights in my eyes. If you are champion versus champion, that is a super fight. That's a mega fight, no matter which way you draw it up. You can argue for a lot of other fights. Conrad's, you know, DC uh, versus John Jones, you know, all these, yeah. Uh, GSP, Bisping, all those. Right. But at, But basically right there. Those are the clear seven super fights in UFC history. My question for you, Dom, is for fight in UFC history. Oh, the best, you say? Man. Um, I probably There's go... I'm biased to this one, but... Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of recency bias is the problem. But, man, I mean, we're talking a fight in last night that went all five rounds, tip for tat, razor close, all the way down to the final judges' scorecard. So, yeah, I mean, I think I probably do go there because, you know what, I, I would say, like, the only one that would, like, rival it in terms of, like, a full-on fight would have been the third installment of DC Stipe, but that one wasn't champion versus champion, you know what I'm saying? So, I think if we're talking just those seven, mm. which is crazy, by the way, 30 years were going on in the UFC and there's only been seven. That's that's quite an elite list there. I would have to go this one. And it's just number. We're talking. Not only was it champion versus champion, but then you add in the number one versus number two, and just all the stakes and the legacy, the win streaks. It, it doesn't really get much better than what it was last night, Noah. I completely agree with you. Again, could you argue other fights should be in there? But on that list, I just listed off. That is by far the best fight on that list. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the biggest. I'm not saying it's the one that sold the most or is going to sell the most. But in terms of hype versus what we got, no fight has exceeded expectations more than UFC 284's Volkanovski versus Makachev. This was just <clears throat> this was a fight for the fans in a lot of ways, Dom, because neither guy Felt like they were in a ton of danger for the majority of it. Yeah, at one point, or maybe a couple different points, Volkanovski had his back taken by Makachev. But after the first time, the way Volkanovski was so calm about being in that yeah. position, it just kind of made you go, huh, well, I guess he is okay. So neither guy really felt like they were ever in all that much danger. And typically that hurts the quality of a fight. You know, you kind of want that 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 second level of investment where you see guys in compromising positions nearly on the brink of being finished. It adds a lot of interest in the, in the fight, but here, Dom, this was white knuckle on the edge of your seat. Just the whole time, all 25 minutes, Dom, I was leaning forward with my hands on the couch, ready to just burst. If something crazy happened and the way the fight just kind of, Round five, you know, where Islam basically had the fight pretty much won. I, I know there was there is some debates about scorecards. Like some people, like you actually scored it 3-2 Volkanovski. I had 3 Tokchev. So mm -hmm. the judges had it, I guess, two of them had it 3-1 Makachev going into that uh, round. Mm -hmm. So, or I, yeah. I don't know. You're right, and one judge had it for it. Whatever. Yeah, so 3-1 going in. Okay. Huh, that's interesting. 
But um, going into that fifth round, when Volkanovski hurts Islam with about a minute left, and then by the time the bell rings, Dom, I don't know if I've ever actually done this with the fight before. There's been some fights that have been amazing. There have been a couple that I think are probably better than this one. But at the end of the day, I've never at the end went, God, I wish there was a round six. Mm. God, I wish we could get a round six. This was the fight that did that for me. So hats off to both combatants. Both guys somehow come out looking like. And I didn't know if that was really possible going in, Dom. You have this fight that is so massive for legacy, so much stakes to it. And part of the stakes is not just that the winner benefits so much from winning, but it's that the loser gets held back so much from losing. You know, a guy like Volkanovsky with a win here, we were saying could have really catapulted himself into not just the best featherweight of all time discussion, but we're talking best fighter of all time discussion. Meanwhile, Islam is really still trying to etch his path, his career kind of separate from the shadow of Habib. And he's done a great job of that. You look at what he did actually Vera, but to go in here and beat the number one pound for pound fighter, I mean, that immediately puts you into that kind of discussion, not necessarily best fighter of all time yet, but I'm talking like one of the best lightweights of all time. Sure. It, it definitely is already in the discussion. And yet, when it was all said and done, Islam gets his hand raised. And now I'm hearing a lot of debates on if Volkanovsky should even lose his number one pound for pound spot. Like that's how him <clears throat> he was here in defeat. Yeah. It was purely rare feat in, in this sport. Cause so much, we talk about it a lot. Um, UFC even does a little bit where the thrill and the agony, there's always for every guy that gets his gets a belt wrapped around his waist and has the best life there's a guy who just got did never going to be back in that spot cut out of a job whatever you know there's always a give and take in the sport of course but last night was truly a fight that was special because i felt like neither guy truly lost and yeah i'm I, I'm lost. I'm at a loss for words uh, following everything I just said there. It, it was truly just a, a magical fight. One of, one, I would argue, probably one of the best fights of all time. That's a bit of recent bias for sure. But I think I, I think I gave it. You know, I told you in like rating. I've been going back and watching boxing, big boxing mm-hmm. fights and MMA uh, main events and. Just kind of score to try to find my like top of all time. I think I gave this one a ninety-four. So yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful score. And again, we're probably—I mean, we're really hitting this narrative home, but it can't be said enough. I feel like Noah, when you have a fight this incredible, and then you add in all of the additional factors of again the pound for pounds, the champion versus champion, <clears throat> the eleven fight win streak versus the twenty-two fight win streak just all of those factors into what was an amazing fight, regardless of if these were two champions or two people that just came into the UFC. That's what just sets this so much higher on that totem pole, man. And you're right. There was no thrill and agony on this night for this main event. There was thrill and thrill. There was no losers, regardless of what their scorecards and records say. Islam 
has cemented himself as just a phenomenal great fighter for those that still had their doubts. You know, when you look at like his strength of schedule and whatnot, but now he's really putting that to bed. He's really stating how good he is. And I'm excited to see what his for, or his next title defense could be. And for Volk to go up 10 pounds, very big size discrepancy here and hold his off for 25 straight minutes, win rounds on the judges' scorecards is incredible. And he's already got his next featherweight, you know, defense lined up. It was just everything in those that co-main and main last night just worked so well together, I feel like. And uh, it was just such a beautiful night to be a fan of this sport. That It was one of those types of nights. Let's uh let's switch gears and address the the big debate going on right now, Dom. Mm-hmm. There was even a little bit of a debate in our own group chat, so I felt like we should talk about this because you actually didn't give a, an opinion on this. You decided to sit this one out. Maybe you were sleeping, but <laughs> the debate being on discussion here. Volkanovski number one, Islam number two. Islam wins the fight. Do you believe that Volkanovski should still be number one pound for pound come Tuesday, I think, when the new rankings come out? Listen, man, I wouldn't have any gripe either way, but if I'm answering, I, I think it Islam should they should flip-flop. It should be now Islam number one and Volk number two because at the end of the day, the number two pound-for-pound pound fighter, Islam Makachev, beat the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter, Vol- Alexander Volkanovski. I understand Volk was the one making the sacrifice in a sense, right? Going up a weight class out of his comfort comfort zone. I understand all that. Um, and the pound for pound rankings are like, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy them probably a little more than others, but also at time like this where people are debating and I'm just like, okay, yeah, they don't really mean that much in the grand scheme of things. It just makes it look cool on a poster and stuff, whatnot. But yeah, I have no problem with Islam being number one. It's not like he didn't deserve it. I mean, the guy's on a 12 fight win streak now himself. He's a champion. He's got a title defense. I mean, look, he beat Charles Oliveira the fight before that was on a 10-fight win streak. Then he stops Volkanovski's 22-fight win streak and a champion. Come on. If you have a problem with if they flip-flop or not, I think you just need to reassess because it's just, who cares, man? I think it's pretty clear. I'll, I'll tell you this much. Regardless of who's one and two on Tuesday, these are the two best fighters in the world, and it ain't close. That's that was a very beautifully said dom um i i pretty much agree with everything you said i hate pound for pound rankings i'll be the first to admit it and part of that's because any time depending on the the fight that's being discussed i find myself making a lot of statements that don't align with one another i'm also the guy who said i felt like usman should still be above leon edwards because of the way the fight went yes leon got the win it was an awesome knockout but I still feel like today, as we sit here, that Usurfer. But then I'm also the guy saying that Islam should flip with Volk because he beat Volk. So it's like, you know, it's uh, there's no winning this discussion. I, I kind of ha- yeah. that's why I just hate pound for pound rankings. So like, but even going in, like number one versus number two pound for pound doesn't mean much to me. But I viewed these guys as being the top two fighters in the anyway. So I did view them as number one and number two. So mm-hmm. that's why it felt big. Not because the UFC rankings had them at number Said one so. and number two. It's because yeah. I've seen with my own eyes that right. they are number one and number two. And 
after what happened. It, it sort of aligns with a lot of what we said going in, Dom, this idea. We got to, and of course, as we do, whenever we talk about an Islam fight, I feel like we get some pushback when we try to give any credit to a an opponent of his. But, uh, you know, the whole, the whole point was that what is Islam going to do when he goes up against a guy who has no weaknesses? And we saw that, and it was impressive. I mean, for the majority of this fight, Dom, Islam stood and traded yeah. with Volkanovsky. Like, yeah. yes, he was very opportunistic with his takedowns. He did land a few of them and um, definitely stole a round or two by doing that. But, I mean, Volkanovsky, he was... Uh, it's been almost like to a mythical status that a guy, these guys like Islam and Habib, their ability to get their hands on you and take you down, like, yeah. you're not getting up. I don't know if I've right. ever seen it against right. these two guys yeah. and Volkanovsky did it like three or four times I mean it was just it was just I, I have no negatives to point out for either guy here no. and I think anybody who does anybody who you know nitpicks either performance here I've seen a couple people talking about how Islam is somehow overrated or overhyped because of this fight you guys don't know what you're talking about. I don't care what the odds were. I don't care how big of a favorite Islam was. Everybody knew that this fight was number one and number two, the two best fighters in the world, and Islam performed like the number one fighter in the world. And he had an amazing quote, early contender for Hot Mike Award, Dom. He said, you like, don't like, I'm the best fighter in the world. Yeah. Checkmate. Yeah. Mic drop. Talking. I love it. I love it. And to add on to that, another mic moment, not that it was hot mic status, but it relates to what you were saying in terms of what we saw in the cage. I think Volkanovsky put it quite perfectly. He underestimated Islam in the striking, and Islam underestimated Alexander in the grappling. And it played out just like that. It played out perfectly yeah. over the course of those 25 minutes, and that's what made it such an incredible fight because Volk performed leaps and bounds better than I think what many imagined he could in the grappling and Islam put all the critics to bed about what his striking looks like uh, when they were on the feet. And it's just, I fuck man. It was just awesome. It was awesome. I'd love to see it <laughs> run back again. The sixth round talk. I saw uh, Brett said it. You just said it on this show. Like, yeah, now that I look back and think, I don't know if I've ever wanted a sixth round in a fight or at least had that thought, but I sure the heck had it last night and I sure the heck have it right now on Sunday morning. So what more can you say? If, you, if there is someone out there, like Noah just said, if you're critiquing this fight, you're critiquing either one of these guys, take a week off. Take a week off, reassess, come back stronger. <laughs> Get some help. Yeah, yeah, I'm just right. kidding. I'm just, right. We're all just having fun here. But yeah, uh, one last thing before we move on, Dom, we, we got to talk about you know what's kind of next for these guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that this is pretty clear and obvious for one Bogdanovsky. And we'll, we'll do him second because that will lead into our co-main right. discussion. Yeah. But as far as Islam Makachev, it feels like it's less clear. So my question, Dom, is is there any fight – right now that could potentially be made for Islam Makachev that you would rather see than Volkanovsky and him running it back? Oh, shit. 
you, you just had to throw that in at the end of the question, didn't I, you? Yeah, uh, I threw that uh, in. Yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, no. No, let's just say it right here. The biggest fight the UFC can make right now is Makachev Volkanovsky too. No, but, uh, you know, I, I would love to see that ran back, but I can take a break from it because I, I after Yair's performance, yeah. I want to see Volk and Yair. You know what I'm saying? So for yeah. Islam, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit in the fight announcements. It's kind of been like said, but nothing signed or official yet. What about all, uh, Charles Oliveira and Benil Daryush? Come on, baby. Give Benil his title shot, guys. He, he don't need to fight Charles. Come on. Come on. If anyone deserves a fight for the title right now at 155, that's not Alexander Volkanovsky. It's Benil Daryush, man. It's Benil. Come on. Hmm. I'm sick of that's saying one more, Noah. That's I'm sick of Bob. saying it for Benil. I've done yeah. it too much. Yeah. Yeah. How many times am I going to have to hear that Benil needs to take on an up-and-coming yeah. killer who's, yeah. like, ranked number 11 in the division? I mean, Dom is wanting Benil to get murdered out here by everybody. But now I'm in a very weird predicament, Dom, because in order for Benil to get that title shot, it looks like he's going to have to beat Charles Oliveira. And... I'm I, Dom. I'm torn. That is a fight. I can't watch that fight. I can't watch. These are two guys I've went at for the entire life of this podcast. That could be for the winner. That could whoever wins that could be my nominee for the Joey this year. Like that's how Just much like I support that. those two. <laughs> that like I, I I I'm. Like, it makes me want to cry that these two are fighting each other. I like, I can we just, like, I agree with you. I'd rather Benil just get the title shot, Charles yeah. fight someone else, and then hopefully yeah. Charles wins, and then he gets a title fight. Like, just, yeah. can we can we not do this? Please, please, I can't take it. I, I can't. So, I would agree, though, that it feels like the next guy would be the winner of that fight if it happens in May, as it's supposed to right now. But it feels like... You know, maybe is I mean, I there is some factors for Islam that would make you think maybe he won't fight again until, you know, the fall. Um, yeah. If I remember right, the whole thing for Habib and I know Islam is sort of in a similar boat is Ramadan and how right. that sort of wipes out the summer for them. Mm -hmm. So I guess that would make sense that his next fight couldn't really be till what September or October. That was typically how Habib sort of yeah. went. It was like two times a year. Uh, fall, uh, winter, spring, and then fall. So I get that. Yeah, the winner of that fight would be lined up pretty good to fight Islam next. If not them, I do think there is some contenders here, though, Dom, that I'm very interested to see Islam fight. Now that we've seen Islam, as amazing of a performance as it was, we've at least seen someone compete with him, Alexander yeah. Volkanovsky. We've seen someone put up a good fight and even at the end of the fifth round looked like they were taking over that fight that at least has made me more invested or more interested in seeing some of these contenders at lightweight get a shot, you know, Rafael Fazayev or even Armand yeah. Rukian to get that fight again. Yeah. Like, sure. or Benil Dariush or whoever, like if Charles got another shot, like these guys, I feel like they, I at least have more hope for them to put up a fight and to maybe even get their hand raised, especially a guy like Armand, who, yes, lost to Islam a while back, but it's so skilled everywhere that, like, I could really see that just being a very technical, a bit like this fight, like a like a B-rate version of this fight where they go five rounds and 
neither guy's getting a huge edge on the other. So it comes down to the scoring of those five rounds. And I, I I'm lightweight in a good spot right now. I, I believe it. It feels like it's less clear. There's less, there's not a guy that just stands out immediately as the next challenger, but I think there's a lot of guys you could put in there and it would prize you at how good the fight could end up being. Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Couldn't have said it any better. And for Volkanovski, this will kind of transition into the discussion, Dom, because in your co-main event for the interim featherweight title, Yair Rodriguez gets the second round submission over Josh Emmett. Did it four <laughs> minutes, 19 seconds in. Uh, so because of that, Yair Rodriguez, your interim champion, likely will be fighting Alexander Volkanovski next for the undisputed uh, did I say lightweight? I meant featherweight. Undisputed featherweight, featherweight uh, championship. So this fight was brutal. Uh, let me set, start by saying that. Uh, every shot that landed in this fight felt like it, it was like going to make me throw up. Like yeah. every body kick that Yair landed, some of the fucking haymakers that Josh Emmett were landing, everything had... For as loud of a crowd as we had here, you could it almost felt like every impact shot, I felt like I was watching at the apex. Like you could literally feel the power behind every shot. So that was this was really an impressive fight. It was actually really good. And I was surprised was. to walk away saying that. I wasn't sure how good of a fight this would end up. I thought guys were great on their own, and I wasn't but I just wasn't sure how they'd gel. Uh, their, yep. their their striking yep. styles being so different. And Dom, we got kind of a banger here. So your thoughts on the fight, your thoughts on Yair's performance. We did say on Friday that Yair was sort of the story here about a guy trying to realize his potential. You know, someone who the UFC had been invested in so much back to when Yair, uh, I believe, was on uh, Tough Latin America and Yep. You know, through his early stages, he's had a lot of issues the last few years, some weird stuff in and out of the octagon. But now he's the interim champion. Is the potential realized in your eyes, or does he really still need to get that undisputed title to silence any sort of doubters? Oh, the potential's close, but he, I think he, but see, that's the thing, like, he's he's got the interim belt, so his potential's obviously right there where it once was. But it's like, oh, well, he can't quite reach the potential until he becomes a champion. But unfortunately, that requires him to beat the number two pound for pound fighter in the world. So that's kind of that's a bit of yeah. a hard ask for someone. So I feel bad for the guy in that sense. But man, what a performance from him. And you want to talk about the main event exceeding expectations. Copy paste here. The problem is I didn't really have I didn't know what my expectations were for this fight. I had them. But I don't know what they were, but I know that this fight exceeded whatever they were. That's for sure. It was really fun. Josh Emmett, man, the, his story of the injuries and 37 years old and coming out throwing bombs. That I mean, he was hurting out here, but I think we kind of nailed it on Thursday. Not that we're geniuses or anything, but we know our shit. We talked about just over the course as the fight continues to go, the arsenal of weapons on the feet for Yair felt like it would be too much. And it got implemented a little bit quicker here. Obviously, it ended in the second round via submission, but he was able to get to that submission because of the kicks, the body kicks, the head kicks, the leg kicks, the mm. kicks of Yair 
were the X factor in this fight. Josh just didn't have the answer because he would get hit in the body, brutal. He would expect it next, and then Yair would go high or he'd go low. Then he'd go back to the body after two of those. So the way that Yair mixed it up last night, man, he looked really, really good. He has earned that interim title. He has earned the shot to fight Alexander Volkanovsky to unify those belts. And, man, I'm going to be honest, like, I know Volk is this you know, incredible, you know, number two in the world, all these title defenses in the mm. win streak at 145. But I can't lie. I think Yair can put up a good fight. I think we're in for quite a scrap when those two step in the cage, Noah. I was going to say the same thing, Dom, that what I saw in that fight with Josh Emmett, I just pictured Volkanovski being in the cage, and I feel like Yair would do a lot of similar things. Like, mm-hmm. Volkanovski, being that his stature is shorter, those body kicks and you mix it up and go high, it's hard for a guy of Volkanovski's size to get a good read on it because, again, yeah. his head to torso, it's a little closer <laughs> right. than, you know, right. a guy like you or me. So when you're going to the body so much then you switch and go up high, that tends to work more on smaller fighters. And Volkanovski has really good grappling, but I'm not sure if he's really going to look to take down Yair a ton in that fight. He might. That might be the smart thing to do. But I don't know yet. I haven't really thought too much about that. So, um, yeah, I crazy as it is that Volkanovski had the night he had where his stock was raised. I already thought he was the best fighter in the world. His stock goes up. And yet I say here, Dom, and I go, if him and Yair fight, Yair would be a big underdog, but... yeah. All of a sudden, that that fight very interesting. It's very interesting. You know, Yair feels like the kind of guy, Dom, with the with his style, where it's so creative, it's a bit unorthodox, it's explosive, it's fast, it's mm-hmm. very stylistic. You know, it's a mm-hmm. bit flashy in his kicks mm-hmm. and uh, combinations. You feel like he is capable of posterizing anybody on any given night. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He's also capable of, of course, losing fights. He's he's definitely lost a few fights in the UFC, but um, it seems like a guy like Volkanovski could implement a game plan where he sticks to the basics and, you know, keeps tries to keep uh, Yair kind of, what's the word, keep him standing a little bit, keep him from getting real wild and, uh, flowing, and you feel like yeah. Volkanovski could just go five rounds of just outpointing him. I Volkanovski's done that time and time again, but if Yair is able to get into that flow state where just going yeah. and he throws a lot of crazy combinations, he does something crazy could really happen there. It's it's a very interesting fight because both guys are so different when it comes oh, yeah. down to their styles, and those are the most fun fights a lot of times. So. I'm beyond excited for that. It is a tough loss for Josh Emmett, of course. Mm. I know he wasn't getting a ton of respect or a ton of attention going in. We both recognize Josh Emmett is great. He deserved this opportunity. I'm glad he got this opportunity. He's an account of himself, but he does fall short. He's 37 years old. I don't think we'll see him back in this position dom and that's you know that's a bit of an agony a thrill and agony situation there but you know hopefully there could be some solace in the fact that he did look pretty good and honestly at times looked like he may end up winning that fight i mean he was hurting yeah you're bad with some of those shots it's just 
those body kicks Oof, yeah. hurting me. So that's it for the main and co-main. We'll have more to discuss on UFC 284. But let's talk about a little bit of rumors for the Ultimate Fighter, Dominic. Of course, it was announced that Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler will be the coaches on this season, and then they'll be fighting later this year. But the rumor that's going around, Dom, is that the cast for this season is to going to feature a mix of new fighters and veterans, former veterans of the UFC, guys who have been cut or have gone away from the company. So when I saw that, you know, the one thing I thought of, Dom, <clears throat> the one thing that I thought when I, when I read this and saw this, whether I went, well, kind of makes sense why they signed Kevin Lee now, doesn't it? Huh. Well, when you look into it, Noah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So that's definitely what I'm thinking is happening there. Kevin Lee and the Tough House. That actually is uh, – that's a really good name to get for that if that's really what they're doing. And I think he's kind of the perfect guy to put in that spot. Someone who had a lot of potential at one – or still has potential, but at one time was fighting for an interim title against Tony Ferguson. Felt like he was a future champion in a lot of circles. He's sort of injuries and weight misses and, uh, you know, weight shifting and underperformances that sort of plagued him the last few years. He has a shot to work himself back into a long-term contract with the UFC. I don't know. It's a little weird that they announced that they signed him if because they haven't announced they've signed anybody else for that would yeah. fit. For tough, so maybe he's not going to be in there, but I feel like he'd be the perfect kind of guy to put in there, right? Yeah, I feel like if you're going to put former veterans in, Kevin <clears throat> Lee, that area of not a, a young up-and-coming guy, not out of his prime, just kind of in that sweet spot, a guy that clearly does still have talent and something to provide to the company, to the fans in terms of his fight style and whatnot. If you can, if they can hit that perfectly with a few other guys, and now of course I'm trying to think off the top of my head who some other options would be, but I think that is the if the perfect kind of matchups and the types of fighters that you would want is a Kevin Lee type of guy. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Uh, what do you get? Do you like the idea of just this being the concept for this season? The the whole mix of. Uh, out outsted veterans and then new guys do you think that's a good idea i don't mind it i think tough is in a place where it's it's been copy and paste for so long but now they're bringing connor back to it they got chandler it seems like they're wanting to try to bump it back up again and i think this is a good way to go about that change it up a little bit was it ultimate fighter season four matt sarah veterans mm -hmm. of the ufc that yeah. were on that season good call good show so, good show i I don't think there were new fighters on that season, but again, we've at least no. seen some of it. But now to mix in new fighters with old, it's an even different concept. So I'm, I like it. I don't hate it at all. Yeah, and then a UFC, and then or tough. Uh, I think it was 25, where it was Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw. That was called the. I forget what it was called the, but it was also uh, veterans. Okay. Uh, okay outs to veterans so they've done it twice this is a little different because you have a mix i actually think yeah. that's great anything yeah. to change it up different flavor you know on formula i'm all for now i do think there could be a real missed opportunity here because i don't know if you've seen dom that there's been a twitter movement 
to try to get Will Brooks onto this season. That's who it was. You know, Will, I knew I saw something. Will, Will Brooks, a former Bellator champion, didn't have a very successful run in the UFC. A lot of yeah. people say it would be perfect to put him in because guess what, Dom? He's beat Michael Chandler not once but twice. And oh. imagine the kind of, you know, the the interesting dynamic to bring that guy in and maybe have him on Michael Chandler's team or have him on Connor's team and Connor just Connor's uses team. that. Yeah. Connor uses that as kind of bait, you know. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, I it, he could be just pull, playing possum here. But uh, Will Brooks did. Um, he thanked everybody in the community for like really trying to you know get mm-hmm. his name out there and stuff. He said he was contacting anybody he could think of to try to make it happen. He came out later and said that they had already gotten the people for this season, so he unfortunately would not be a part of it. I don't know if he's just playing possum or not, though, Dom. It's possible because if not, what a missed opportunity. Like, How do you not think of Will Brooks when you're going through all these guys who are still fighting but are no longer in the UFC who fizzled out, whatever, Will Brooks, a former Bellator champion, he beat Michael Chandler twice. How do you not think of him? What a missed yeah. opportunity that, that would be. Oh, dude, yeah, that would be so perfect. Hopefully, if it's not, if he's playing possum and he's actually in come May when the show airs, that would be so badass. Like, like him and yeah. Chandler coming across one another, just kind of with that awkwardness. And no, if he's on, if he's on Connor's team, perfect storm for the shit talking. Oh, oh yeah, because awesome. I think the other because the, it, it makes sense too for Will Brooks and Kevin Lee because the other rumor is that 155 is going to be one of the divisions okay. here in yeah. focus. So I don't know. I haven't heard anything about the other uh, division, but is there anybody off the top of your head that you, you could think of in terms of veterans that you would like to see back? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I'm just curious if there's anybody. No, I'm going to say one, and I'm pretty sure it would be 135 pounds because the guy just got cut over this last week, Sergio Cub Kakramanov. How about you You cut him, and then you put him right back on the yeah. ultimate fighter for this season, man. That, that's a fighter that should not have been cut, had a very tough strength of schedule through his three fights in the UFC, a very good talent. I know he's not as much of a veteran of, as like a Will Brooks or a Kevin mm. Lee, but he is a veteran of the UFC nonetheless. And uh, so if you do 135 pounds and 155, the two best divisions in the company, by the way, I think that would be another guy I would throw in there. I, you could have a potential for some guys that like from the PFL, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Why can't I think of our guy's name? Uh, you're probably thinking um, Marlon Rice is going to leave and then come back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> why can't I think? All right, I found it. <laughs> I, I'm, this is this is why I don't get mad when like Dana forgets Islam's name on stage yeah. because I'm yeah. like, uh, due to my own, like it's so easy, especially if you don't have the adequate amount of sleep or it's late or whatever. It's easy to just slip up on that. I get it. He's the promoter. I'm just a guy. I'm a fat dude just talking about MMA. But again, I'm just saying I, I feel him. I feel your pain, Dana, when you when yeah. you slip up like that. <laughs> Olivier Alvin Mercier. Now, I don't know what his contract's like with the PFL. And don't get me wrong, like, I like the parody, and I, I wouldn't mind to see him just stick around the PFL. But I'm just saying that if they were to bring in a middleweight division, OAM, tell me he wouldn't wreck shit, Dom. 
if our man OAM, the PFL lightweight champion, were to go from making a milli to coming back to the ultimate fighter, man, that would be something. That would be a yeah, story wow. for the ages. Honestly, there. when you put it like that, that just made me look really stupid, didn't it? <laughs> Hey man, I've had plenty of those moments. You're good. I was just trying to think. I couldn't think of any like veterans that I would like. But you called it. Said, I get where you're going though. Yeah, I was trying to think of some PFL guys, and I'm like, I did not even consider the money. So, uh, oh, actually, hear me out here. Okay. I got a perfect one. I have a perfect oh one. No oh boy. Especially if lightweight is one of the divisions. I believe he. This guy fought at lightweight. Dude, this is too per- – they have to do this. They have okay. to. Although I don't know if one of our coaches would agree to it. Artem Lovov. Oh. Oh. Will Brooks on Connor's team. Artem Lovov <laughs> on Chandler's team. Booyah. That's what I'm saying. Tell me Television. Artem Lovov. That would not be ratings gold. Yes. I mean, talk about getting yeah. Connor in a <laughs> – Talk about tizzy. getting him in a in a tizzy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I know with the whole lawsuit that I think that lawsuit got um thrown out, like Artem's yeah. lawsuit against Connor got thrown out. So now that there's no legal proceedings that are going on. Yeah. Uh yeah. Artem Lobov, you know, kind of a guy that was only brought it felt like he was only brought in because of his connection to Connor. What if his connection to Connor brought him back the tough? And I, I don't know. I'm I saw some people saying that. Michael Chandler should bring Artem in as like a coach to like get under <laughs> Connor's skin. But I'm like, why do that when he could just come back as a fighter? Is he still, I'm assuming he's still fighting. So I don't know. Dude. I think we need to be flown to Vegas. Let's hash some things out here. Dana and the boys. Yeah. Dana hit us up, but uh, that's enough on tough. We, we talked about tough quite a bit there. That was a, a lot more than I expected. <laughs> Everything's. I mean, I'm out here. I'm, I'm out here. I'm out here trying to get millionaires to get paid two grand to fight four times in three <laughs> yeah, days. Eight. I mean, I don't yeah. know what's going on. Fight announcements. Fight, fight announcements. announcements. We got a lot, and per usual, Dom, as they build up over the week, I'm just gonna list them out here for you. Uh, a couple of these are denouncements, which are never fun, but um, we'll just let you kind of go from there. You know, you give which ones stick out. To to you that you like any that maybe you don't like and that's it so february 18th that's this upcoming main event this is yeah it's been switched around taylor santos out it looked like uh the rumor or i don't know if this has been confirmed i saw some reports that a couple of her cornermen could not get their visas worked out so she decided Uh, to forego that apparently they got denied like multiple times so because of that deciding not to go completely understandable uh, but thankfully, Jessica Andrade is stepping up here. So now her and Aaron Blanchfield, five rounds in the main event, February 18th. Then you have Dan Hooker out mm. versus Jalen Turner. That one hurts a little bit. March yeah. 4th, UFC 285. Now it looks like they're going to keep Jalen Turner on that card. And Jalen Turner's in an interesting position, Dom, where I don't know if the UFC can just pluck anybody into that fight. I feel like... They have to get somebody with some credibility next to Jalen Turner. So hopefully there's still a good fight, you know, to be made there. Michael Chiesa versus the Leech on April 8th, UFC 287. Um, That one actually should have been on last week's, but the the only fight announcements last week were so big that I felt like it just needed to be kind of pushed back. 
That's fine. Uh, Brandon Roy Val, Matthias Nicolau, April 15th, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we make a drive. I don't know. Uh, I did look it up. It's quite a bit of a drive. It is a quite a drive. <laughs> Uh, rumored for UFC 288, May 6th, Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. And then a week later on May 13th, five rounds, Anthony Smith versus Johnny Walker. So, Dominic, your thoughts? I heard you. I saw you smirking a little bit over there. I mean, after after you kind of let me talk myself into a ditch with the PFL uh, coming to tough thing, I'm, I'm curious what I fucked up this time. Oh, you didn't fuck anything up, but I think I'm about to tickle your fancy. But before I tickle your fancy, Jess Condrage, can we, can we, yeah, fucking yeah. savage. And savage. Aaron Blanchfield taking and the Aaron fight. Blanchfield. You know? And Aaron Blanchfield. Savages. The, the, the clip of Yoel Romero. <laughs> Savages. That is Jess yes. Condrage. Don't care. Honey Badger, don't care. Throwback to 2011. <laughs> she will fight anyone. You can be at 155, 115. She's going to fight anyone. It does not matter. It was already an awesome fight. How excited were we for Blanchfield Santos? Now she's fighting Jessica Andrade, a former champion, someone that's won fights in three different weight classes. If Blanchfield can get that win, holy guacamole, it's an even bigger win than what Taylor Santos would have done. And if Jessica Andrade wins, she is officially there for title contention again. So that's awesome. Shout out to both those ladies for accepting that on literally a week's notice. This is where I'm going to hopefully... Tickle your fancy. Dan Hooker out. Sucks. Jalen Turner versus TBD. That's what was on the graphic last night. March 4th, UFC 285 on the main card. Jalen Turner is ranked number 10 at 155 pounds right now. He's got, what, we got a little under a month, three weeks. Well, there's a guy Mm -hmm. at lightweight that uh, has taken some short notice action before. And he was a hot mic nominee. And it's a man that Noah loves. And it's Hanato... Moicano versus Jalen Turner. Book it. That's the fight. Wow. It definitely tickled me a little bit. It definitely mm-hmm. tickled me. So, mm-hmm. man, that that would be great. That would be a lot of fun. That mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great fight. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So let me let me just say for the list here. I, I don't know how I feel about Andrade being put in for Santos on short notice. Like I don't know if it makes me more excited for the main event or less excited or the same amount of excitement. I feel like I'm the same <laughs> amount. Because yeah, you know yeah. how much Andrade is my favorite female fighter in, in yeah. UFC. Like She's my favorite to watch. Yeah. She is arguably the second best fighter in two different weight classes in the UFC. Yes. yes. So I feel like even though Aaron Blanchfield was already getting a huge challenge in Taylor Santos, I'm curious what the odds are going to be Dude. since Andrade is taking this fight on short notice because you would think that might make Blanchfield a favorite, but Dominic Blanchfield's ranked like number 10, doesn't have that kind of win to her name yet. Andrade is a former champion. Surely Andrade is going to be the favorite here, right? But... I, or it'll be a pick. I mean, I I don't I do not envy the bookmakers on this one because I feel like whoever the underdog is, you have to hammer it like just out yeah. of principle. Yeah. Because either way you slice it, the underdog clearly is going to have an advantage here, either due to the amount of high level fights they've had, their their status as a former champion. You know, they've had tougher opponents. 
Yeah. Or you have someone in Blanchfield who has a really good wrestling base that could be one of Andrade's weaknesses. Yes. And also has been training for a five-round fight this whole time while Andrade has not. So right. either which way you slice it, whoever the underdog is, look, I'm still uh, I'm still like technically uh, suspended, so I can't touch it. But Dom, I want to touch it so bad. I want I want to touch it so bad. I want to just put my entire life savings on the underdog for this fight. Okay, real quick, there's not odds on like a lot of the big books that we use, but Bet Online, who a lot of like MMA fighters are sponsored mm. with, they have a line right now. Jessica Andrade minus 159, Blanchfield plus 139 right now as we stand recording. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I am going to put my life savings on Aaron Blanchfield <laughs> on the ghost bets. On, on the, the ghost, ghost bets. bets. Right, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. so... Well, I guess I don't have to do those anymore. But you get my point. Uh, in spirit, right. I will be in spirit. I will be putting my life savings on Blanchfield because whoever the underdog is, like to me, that's Andrade right now is a better fighter than Blanchfield. Yeah. But you take into account taking this fight on such short notice. You take into account the stylistic advantages Blanchfield reasonably would have over Andrade, and the fact that she's been training for a five round fight it kind of evens it out. Like, I feel like it's a very even fight on paper. Can I pose a question? Sure. I'll probably pose the same thing when we're literally breaking this down next Friday, but that's neither here nor there. Um, for Blanchfield, a win over Andrade here, short notice or not, still gets her to a title shot, right? No excuses for, like, if she beats Andrade regardless of short notice, to me, that's still an absolutely massive win over someone that has done so much in the women's divisions uh, uh, as Andrade, Blanchfield still title shot if a win here, correct? Huge win. I want to say 100%. Like, I do. Yeah. I, at first, I was planning, if you had stopped, like, a sentence sooner, I would have said 100%, <laughs> like, no question. Yeah. And then somehow in that sentence longer, I, like, kind of thought, and I went, well, Taylor Santos does still feel like she has to run. She needs – she has unfinished business. It feels like now. Hold on, I'm not saying I'm not saying that I would give it to her mm. over Blanchfield if she beat Andrade, but also Manon Fior is still yeah, in the what? mix here as well. I wonder. Well, she's hurt, I think, or she okay. had an she had an injury or something. That, that's sort of why okay. she's kind of fallen out of the mix. Because um, six months ago, I think she was like the clear favorite to get the next title shot, and now yeah. Alexa Grasso kind of right. came out of nowhere and got it. Yeah. So let's say Valentina beats Alexa Grasso. I mean, yes, I think the UFC are setting up Blanchfield like with the fight with Santos. I felt like the winner of that fight would have gotten a title fight. Since yeah. Santos is out, UFC obviously know this card's not very good. Want to make a good main event still. But by putting Andrade here and Blanchfield again, ranked like number 10 in the division, you have to know she is being set up here for a win and she is in. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know how it'll go exactly, but Dominic, I'm gonna reiterate it. When I'm when I am reinstated fully into the bet slip, I can tell you my first couple moves I will make before even uh, we get to the actual card itself that week. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I'm gonna go into the futures and I'm gonna put futures on. Manon Fior, Aaron Blanchfield, and, well, assuming she wins uh, Saturday, and Taylor Santos 
to be the women's flyweight champion by the end of the year. I think there is they are so they they have to have great odds considering Valentina's dominance in the division. Mm-hmm. But also there are so many like I don't think people are giving this division enough credit for just how talented it is on Valentina at this point. I mean those three names alone, I think all three of them have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And Alexa Grasso is very good herself. I don't really see her beating Valentina, but it's not she's impossible. the one that's got the shot. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, that'll probably be my first move is I'll be putting three futures on those three ladies, to, assuming Blanchfield wins. And then you have Taylor Santos and Manon Fior. So. Woo. Anyway, shout out to the rest of those fights. Yeah. Uh, well. I mean, yeah. Well, I was going <laughs> to say shout out to the rest of them, but why, why, why? Why is Anthony Smith Johnny Walker a main event? Because if Anthony Smith isn't on a pay per view, he has to be a fight night headliner. <laughs> Noah, you, we don't make the rules. That's just how it goes. <laughs> and I'm not one of those people. I don't understand why so many. Why do so many people online not like Anthony Smith? I don't I can't understand. Put up with <laughs> I, I don't understand. People like really don't like him, and I don't yeah. understand it because he seems like just a very nice guy. He's like Nickelback um, of MMA. That's what Anthony's. I, I think he is a little bit. Like, yeah, I fuck with that comparison because Nickelback's <laughs> yeah. good, and I don't care what anybody has to say about it. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't think this should be a main event. I mean, I, I think I sent it in the group chat, and I said main event more like mid-event because this is a very mid-main uh, event here. Yeah, throw it tomatoes you know like boo this guy sucks i know yeah, yeah bad yeah. joke but anthony smith is definitely still like in that in that top caliber although what was funny was when i saw this was announced or rumored all the comments were saying johnny walker's gonna knock his ass out and i'm like oh, okay so the johnny walker hype train is somehow back i think it's Don. back it's back yeah i think it's it back. is because every comment was saying he's gonna knock out anthony smith anthony smith Anthony Smith couldn't even hold off an intruder in his house. How's he going to hold off Johnny Walker? Like, mm-hmm. these comments, man. I was like, God damn. I'm like, you guys yeah. really don't like Anthony Smith. And I just don't get it. And also, don't understand how you're sleeping on him in that fight. I mean, Johnny Walker, respect to him. But come on. Put some respect, man. Return yeah. of the Mac. Yeah, I love when that song hits. Also, real quick. Now that I'm like looking at the list again, Kiesa and the Leech. Kiesa been out since November of 2021. Mm. The Leech number 15. Kiesa, what was it? Number 11. It was like number, number 11, 12? I think. Number, number 12. 12. So yeah. interesting fight, huh? I kind of yeah. I'm here for that one, man. I really oh, yeah. think that's an intriguing fight for sure. Every other fight on this list, I think, is very good. Roy Val Nicolau, by the way, that yeah, could be a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. Um, Kansas City, I'm just saying, Dom, maybe we should consider. Nine hours, might have to fly. <laughs> That's about as close as we're ever going to get. Like, they don't want to yeah. come over to our side of the world, so right, it's just right. not going to happen. Um, yeah. But, no, all these fights, I, I sign off on all of them. I would sign off on Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker, if it was not in a main event. Three rounds. Okay. But hopefully that fight night just has some good fights underneath it. Like, please, just at least show, at least act like you're trying UFC. Like, come on. Please wait for, a minute, for us. Noah. But 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 what if that's the card in our area? That could be the one. That could be the one. 
I will say that's probably a better main event than Curtis Blades, Chris Dawkins. So, I mean, I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. Even though, right. no disrespect to that card in Columbus. There were some good fights underneath it. I'm oh, just yeah. saying, oh, yeah. I would probably say Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker is a better main event on paper in terms mm-hmm. of what both guys stand right now. Because right. Johnny Walker may be back. I might be sleeping on him a little bit. But yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, by the comments, I think people are acting like Johnny Walker is going to beat John Jones again. So, um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the rest of UFC 284. Really interesting discussions we're having on this. It's uh, been a, it's been a day on this yeah. episode. <laughs> uh, let's start with Jack, Jackie moon as Dominic likes to call him. I'm still not sure if I sign off on the nickname or not. He, I don't, you got uh, it. I'm not you sure, but Jack Della Maddalena, Gets the first round submission over Randy Brown. Two minutes, 13 seconds in. Continues his streak Dude. of first round finishes in the UFC. Um, yeah, I've seen all I've needed to see. You can give him anybody at this point. I'm, I'm there for it. This was a huge test, I thought, because I think yeah. Randy Brown is super talented and obviously friend of the show. So there is a little bit of bias there. Of course. Um, although Dominic, Dominic's, I don't know if Dominic's a true fan of Randy Brown because um, he, he, of course, he like celebrated Jack's victory. And then he sends a text like, oh, man, but I feel so bad for Randy Brown. Damn it, man. And I was like, this, this guy, I said, I'm like, shut up, Dom. Like, you're not a real fan of Randy Brown. I'm a real fan. I was hurting Noah. for the guy. Noah. I did an untracked bet on Randy Brown money line. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Um, you know, uh, but I don't really want to talk about my bets from yesterday because it was awful and I'll never financially <laughs> well, recover. Well, we'll get. Well, we won't get. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually. Quick question: Did you actually make a graphic for the bets because I didn't put it on the script? Yeah, so it'll be I on. Don't it'll know be if on. You even have it? Okay. Okay. On. Okay. Cool. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk. Talk about it for like a second, then we'll just skip it. But yeah. uh yeah. Randy Brown, Dominic, not a real Randy Brown fan, even though that oh. did help his case there. But um Jack, I've seen all I need to see. Get him any yeah. fight he wants, anybody top fifteen. Randy Brown's still great, but he ran through a buzzsaw and I've seen all I need to see. He he has checked every box and I'm ready to see him tested against the top of the division. What do you think, Dom? Copy paste, and uh, I saw Ariel tweet this, and it's so true. Jack Della Maddalena started his career 0 2, getting finished two times. He's won 13 or 14 straight fights ever since, and uh, 4 0 in the UFC, four first round finishes. Now we're doing it against Randy Brown. Oh, and by the way, he submitted him. What are you kidding me? This guy is good, man. Ever since I saw him on that fucking contender series fight, I knew we were on to something special. He's from Australia. He was literally from Perth. He was the hometown boy of all the Australian fighters last night. The place went bonkers. I'm here for top 15. Problem is, number 15 is Lee Jingliang. He's booked against Kiesa, like we just said. Are we really going to give Jack Della Maddalena his first top 15 opponent against Michelle Pajara? Neil Magny? I guess I'm not saying no to it, Noah, because I think he deserves top 15 next. You got to give it to him. I think the Neil Magny fight makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately, mm, I don't mind for it. Neil Magny. 
Yeah, Neil Goldman from I mean, Gilbert I, Burns, top five to <laughs> unranked Jackie Moon. But wouldn't that just be the most Neil Magny move ever to take oh, that fight? Oh, that's 100%. 100%, yeah. That's a fight he would do for sure. Mm. And I, I think that's actually the fight that will happen next. I'm going to go ahead and call my shot. Babe Ruth at pointing to the stands. Right, uh, I bet boom. Neil we'll Magny will, will fight. We'll fight Jackie Moon. I, I every time I say that though, I'm like oh, Jackie Moon. I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'm messing with the nickname. But uh, uh, next up, Dom, they did announce who will be inducted into the uh, Pioneer Wing of yeah. the Class of 2023 UFC Hall of Fame. None other than Jens Pulver, Dom, the OG lightweight champion. It kind of made sense to announce it on this card. He is the guy that started the division really got it rolling was the original champion has wins over guys like bj penn mm-hmm. very underrated career it was definitely at a time it was he was really it was almost entirely boxed into that time period before the ufc really took off with that original yep. tough boom yes yep. he came back and coached the ultimate fighter against bj penn but that was after he had been through a lot of wars he was no longer that that same guy anymore he kind of got exposed for it he was also dealing with a lot of personal issues at that time i i when they showed him on his uh because he does a lot of content for the ufc on their twitch so i think one of the things he does for each card is he does like a watch a live watch along or whatever Mm -hmm. and they actually cut to him watching the announcement and Mm. to see the the raw emotion dominic it, mm. it it happened again. Yeah. This yeah. hard man right here, I shed a few man tears. I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. especially when he hugged his son. Oh. oh. Like, you know, that father stain right there. Like, you know, me and Big, we haven't had that kind of embrace in a while. And I was just like, man. And I'm sure you and Big Dave do that all the time. Just hug and cry. And <laughs> yeah, of course. Kumbaya, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it what a moment beautiful. it was for Jens Pulver. Yeah, I'm kind of getting misty-eyed just talking about it. And this is he's been wanting this for so long, too. That's what I love about it is the UFC Hall of Fame. We have – I well, actually, I shouldn't say we. At times, I've trivialized it. I've been like, eh, is it really that big of a deal? You know, they it's limited to just UFC guys. If you're not in good graces with the company, you don't get in. If you're still fighting in other promotions or whatever, you know, guys like mm-hmm. Frank Shamrock should be in there, but they're not. Like, it feels like, right. And then sometimes guys get in, like Matt Sarah, where it's like, should they really be in the UFC Hall of Fame? You know, even mm-hmm. though he is a legend in his own right, but right. as a fighter, should he really have been in there? But to see a guy like Vince Pulver, who this meant everything to him, yeah, that, that bit of recognition. Um, that that's pretty special, and yeah. you know that that definitely puts it in perspective too. That uh, I, this is not the way I want it to come off. Like one man's trash is another man's treasure, but in a way, it, it kind of is something that we all sort of look at and roll our eyes at. Meant everything to yeah a, an OG, a pioneer. So very happy for him. Yeah, couldn't have said it better, my friend. Next up, Jimmy Crew and. Alonzo Minifield had, I mean, it was a fight. It was. It was. I, you know what? That sigh right there was very fitting, but I'm still not sure exactly what that means. Like, like what are your yeah. thoughts here in terms of, did you enjoy Did you enjoy this fight? It went to a majority draw, by the way. 
Dom, yeah. did you like this fight? I think do I do. Do you want to see it run back? <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> um it was it was interesting. It was not a bad fight. I mean, it was it was kind of just a sloppy brawl at times. Other times there'd be just some, you know, grappling that wasn't anything too crazy, <laughs> but they were trying to win a round. And then the point deduction Shout out to Mark Goddard really is probably the best in the game today. I think as a ref, he was not fucking around, dude. He's like, you grab the fence and it clearly maintained your position on the feet so that you didn't get taken down point boom, bang. You know what? That's uh, to be fair. I know we weren't huge on the headbutt last week, but we've had two back-to-back weeks where the referees were no tolerance. You did something wrong. Boom point back-to-back weeks. You don't see that very much. So maybe we're starting a trend forward. As long as it starts to be consistent, then maybe Chris Tanyoni's headbutt started a trend. Maybe, just maybe. So, yeah, I'm kind of here for it. Let him run it back. I don't think, like, again, how it went the distance is still beyond me. We'll talk about that again in a second for my bets. But it was fun. And, like, for Jimmy Crute, he's holding his own in the top 15. But this fight didn't tell me he should fight forward. And Alonzo, I think, showed enough to where he's still – clearly has a chance to earn his right into the top 15. Therefore, run it back. Both guys also want to do it, so I think that makes things easier. There you go. This was the ready-to-rumble UFC fights. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's, that's good. actually not a very fitting comparison, but what the my what I'm what I'm going off of there is a fight that's actually really it's like bad, like it's not a good fight. But it's almost so bad it's good. Like it's so fun yeah. to watch. You can't take your eyes off of it. Yeah. Sloppy. It was a sloppy Joe fight. And it was a lot of fun watching it. Hmm. I don't know what to really say about either guy <laughs> moving forward. Uh can I say that Alonzo Minifield, I mean, I feel like he takes a bigger L here than Jimmy Crute. What do you think of, of my assessment there? That Alonzo Minifield had Jimmy Crew out on his feet at the yeah. end of round one and yeah, beginning of round two, that. yeah, and somehow couldn't finish that fight. Yeah, I think Alonzo Minifield. That's that's one he's going to look back on and be like, "Man, how did I not get it? How did I not get it done?" You know? Yeah, I remember that first round moment specifically where he kind of like Jimmy went for a takedown because he was kind of out of his wits. Alonzo sprawled very well, but then just kind of maintained and stayed on top rather than standing up. I do think he watches that film back and goes, oh, damn. If I let him stand there and land two more, three more good shots, probably put him away. That's true. I forgot about yeah, that. I felt like he was he was always like two or three shots away. And what's funny is at first, like in round one, I'm going, oh, he's trying to like preserve some of his gas tank. That's the thing about Alonzo Minifield is – he can be really good for like a round, round and a half, but then he really tails yeah. off by the end. So I thought, okay, he's trying to preserve himself a little bit. He'll probably get the gen round two. Dominic, this preservation that I thought he was trying to do, he looked gassed in round two. Yeah, they and were I was both like, on. Whoa. Like, yeah. And, you know, I know there was a lot of grappling early in that first round, and that, that definitely takes a toll, and I am no guy to be talking about another man's especially guys that are in that kind of shape, their gas tank. But I'm just saying what I saw, that right. ultimately, like, I was shocked at just how quickly Menafield was out of gas. Croup made more sense because he was so battered and hurt. Right. Yeah, 
Yeah. But Alonzo Menafield, I was like, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And yes, that fight to not go to like for it to not go to distance, that's kind of crazy. Um, I'm fine with it being run back. I mean, Menafield called for it to be run there, like in well, Australia. That won't happen. Yeah. I, I think that you. Well, the UFC said they're going back to Australia this year, so I mean, maybe oh shit, it will. did they really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I'm here for Cause that. Because I don't know if you noticed, but Dana didn't do a post-fight press conference, but they had some other dude. Uh, but he said that they're going back to Australia, so that guy said it. So I guess that's okay. true. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, let's do it then. Yeah. So maybe they do run it back in Australia. At first, though, I was kind of like, why is he calling for it to be run back in Australia? Like, when are they going to be back there? But anyways. Last one here. Mm. Modestus Bukowskis. His second run in the UFC starts a bit like first with the win. He gets it done via unanimous decision over Tyson Pedro, the two-time Cage Warriors champion, Modestus Bukowskis. uh, Gets himself started this second time in the UFC off-right. Dom, you know, I know it went to a decision and, you know, Pedro maybe had his moments, but I felt like Modestas kind of controlled this entire fight. Like, this was a bit what I feared for Tyson Pedro, a guy who had been, a lot of people thought he was ready to make this big run, but a lot of the reasoning for that was due to him really beating up on some underwhelming opponents before. He gets a guy with some credibility in Modestus and just did not look like the same world beater he did the last couple times out. What did you think of this one? No, I think that's exactly what it was. I think uh, Modestus also is just, I said it on Friday, he's much better than a 13-5, and 1-3 and three UFC record. That, And I think it's pretty clear. If yeah. you look at the way he fought last night, it's obvious that he is. And over the course of three rounds, he was just the all-around better fighter than Tyson Pedro. You described your thoughts on Pedro so well on Friday and just now again, just kind of like he's good. He's this brute of a man that has this power. But all in all, especially when you look at like the betting odds sides of things, he probably shouldn't be, you know, a minus 300 nearly against a guy like Modestus, regardless of what the records say. And it showed here. I think that picture got painted perfectly in this fight. Uh, I don't, I don't really know the upside or the ceiling for either of these two guys but there's something about modestus that has me just curious like maybe just maybe if he can hit this stride into his prime perfectly maybe he can do something i don't know like the way in which he moves the way that he's Mm. built the way that he strikes i'm just excited to see what he can do i am i am I mean, Dominic, a two-time Cage Warriors champion ain't nothing. Yeah. It ain't nothing. Right. right. I mean, that's that's about as good as you get on in terms of the regional scene, like on your come-up. That's, mm-hmm. you know, you got them, you got LFA, you got Cage Fury. I mean, those are really the guys that are mm-hmm. that, that you build that credibility with. So for to be a two-time champion there, I mean, that's, that's something. So I, I get what you're saying. It's. I still think Tyson Pedro is a good fighter. It's just, I mean, he got exposed a little bit here because, again, that's why it doesn't really work when you do this whole, like, building someone up by having them beat on guys that are nowhere yeah. near their level or aren't even yeah. UFC caliber. Because at the end, eventually, they have to fight 
yep. someone, a worthy challenger, yep. and they get exposed. Um, I thought it was actually telling that Pedro, I knew Pedro would be a pretty big favorite, but the fact that he was only like a yeah. minus 250 or 300 or whatever favorite, considering his previous couple fights, he was at like minus 900, minus the thought, whatever it was. I thought that was very telling because mm-hmm. you know that the market has inflated him so much up to this point. But now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, he's a big favorite, but it's like minus 300. I'm like, if I were betting man, which I am, but it's still from MMA, I would have sprinkled on fucking Modestus. And that's why Dominic's such an asshole for suspending me. Um, <laughs> no, <I'm just> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, neither here nor there. Yeah, I think I went two for three on my when I called my shot. I said uh, for the, those three fights that we just talked about on the rest, it was going to be an emphatic performance one way or another. But it was either going to be these these young hot shots kind of making a big splash, or these big underdogs surprising everybody. I felt like two yeah. or three. I kind of went there, yeah. and it could have been three for three if Alonzo Minifield just fucking you know. Yeah, I don't know. finish the job. Just finish the fight. Uh, yeah, uh, let's move on to the below average best slip, Dom. Um, I'm sure you're excited uh, to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. So, um, now we're doing this right with no. We're, we're, we're you're going to be putting a graphic on the screen, correct? So correct, correct. Just you know, just what? What? First off, tell me what? Where do we sit year to date right now? Oh, that is year to date. Year to date is actually not too bad, thank goodness. So we are at minus. Is this? Let's see. Is this all time? Yeah. Okay. This is for this year. Minus three point seven three units. So okay. you that's know, actually, that's actually not bad. Okay. So yeah. I didn't. Re- I didn't know where we were before this card. Yeah. So okay, that's you know we we can definitely come back from that. Um, yeah. You'll still have to carry for a couple more weeks, but uh, just go over some of your picks. You know, I know you had a lot of bad beats on this card, and you know, how are you feeling coming out of it? Yeah. So this is where it gets funny, though, when we talk about that year-to-date number minus three point seven three. Well, last night was minus three point two one. So that's how bad of a night UFC two eighty four was for me and for the bet slip. And let's just break down. I don't want to talk about it for ages and ages because I might throw up, but. We had five bets last night, okay? We went one and four on the evening. The lone win, a plus 125 money line for Blake Builder. Shout out to him, his UFC debut. Pretty fun fight with Shane Young. He looked good. Good on him. Loved cashing an underdog money line. We always do. Now, this is where it's going to get fun because we're going to talk about these four losses real quick. The first one, I'm just going to hit quickly, even though it's not in order, but I did have Melsic Bagdasorian, minus 105 money line against Josh Kulabau, Australia zone. I just thought that that line having Melsic at pick'em odds from what we've been seeing from him was almost a steal. I thought it would just be – it was worth a sprinkle for him to win that fight. Well, he tried to choke slam Josh Kulabau at the uh, pre-fight weigh-ins, and that backfired badly because Kulabau got a second-round submission. So, egg on my face, that's okay. We're one and one. But this is where it got fun. Because the first fight of the night, we had Zubaira to Hugoff fighting, Okay. He was one leg of a three-leg money line parlay. He was fighting uh, 
El, I don't know if it's Elvis, but he was fighting Brenner. Okay, Charles Oliveira in the corner of Brenner, and mm-hmm. he arguably was robbed. I don't want to say it just because it might look bad because he was on a bet for me, but it was as close to a robbery as you can get if you don't want to call it that. And he lost a split decision. First fight of the night, so the parlay's dead upon arrival, and I knew that when that happened, the vibes for the rest of the night were done. It was chalked, uh, but we Mm. lived to fight on because there were 12 other fights to go to. We had two violence parlays, Noah. Two legs each. All four legs, though, were to not go the distance. Shanus and Jenkins inside the distance. Crazy fight. Jack Jenkins looks like a really, really good fighter, by the way, if you didn't get to see that fight, guys. It goes the distance somehow. He doesn't get the finish. Crazy fight. Jamie Malarkey and Prado, Francisco Prado. Are you kidding me? I've now lost back-to-back times on Jamie Malarkey to not go the distance, and he's went through a decision. So he's probably going to be on the ban list. Maybe not necessarily him, but his fight props. So we lose that one. And then the other parlay, which is even more painful than that one, Tyson Pedro and Modestus Bukaskis inside the distance. Thought it was going to be a banger. Someone was getting put to sleep. Nope. It's going to go the distance. Not even a ton of action, really, in that fight for the most part. Then the real kicker here, Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Minifield inside the distance. Are you kidding me? Not only does it go the distance, we have a point deduction, and there's not even a damn winner. There's a draw. It was just an absolute sickening night for me betting MMA, and it was a sickening day for me sports betting across college basketball, NBA, hockey, and the UFC. It was a disaster. The worst betting day of my life, of my career. But we wake up, the sh- the sun shines, and we go again, Noah. Yeah, I wish I could sit here and tell you that it gets better. Oh, I know it doesn't. I know. I know. <laughs> you may have some good days, you know, that you'll string along, but just remember that day you had yesterday, that is always going to come back again. Yeah. So just get used to it. Fair enough. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on to the closing statements. Uh, the point of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, do you have any closing statements? Sunday or Monday, excuse me, edition. Oh, man. I don't know if I have anything, really. Uh, we've already talked about the Super Bowl. We're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. But I am going to stick with my guns. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. We'll see come Monday when you guys are hearing this if I was right or wrong. But other than that, We talked about so much fights and stuff today. My brain's a little bit fried. Yeah, I haven't checked out. Actually, that's what I'm going to do when we get off recording. Some of the props for the Super Mm -hmm. Bowl um, Mm -hmm. on DraftKings and FanDuel and stuff. But um, you guys can, when you're watching this, maybe you'll you'll be able to go back and see, you know, if I hit on some of these. I'm taking the Eagles on the spread. I'm taking uh, the Gatorade color to be yellow. Love that. Um, yeah. I'm taking the over two minutes, seven seconds for the national anthem performed by Chris okay. Stapleton. Okay. Uh, I think he'll take his time with that. Um, anything else? First song for uh, Rihanna at halftime? You doing that one? <laughs> no, I, I don't listen to <laughs> Rihanna like that. I don't know. Uh, S&M. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first Booyah. song. Booyah. Book it. That's got to be plus 20,000 right 
Uh, that or Disturbia. There we go. That's I did see a lot of people saying Disturbia. That one could be yeah, it. So, um, I'm trying to think if there was any other. Uh, maybe like a, a field goal prop. Sometimes I've been okay. seeing those hit a lot, like an over two and a half field goals or something. Coin toss. Oh, Coin tails. Toss. I did tails, tails for the Super Bowl. I did like a hundred bucks for tails on the Super Bowl last year. Missed. So that's oh, uh, it's got to hit this year. That's tough. I did see a story though on TikTok because I've been more into TikTok sports betting content and stuff. You know, that's that's all going mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, Jake Paul has that betting company, Better or whatever yeah. now. Yeah. Well, there is a page on TikTok that I follow. It's these couple guys that just do give out picks and do whatever. Well, I didn't realize that they like they some they're they're called like betting corner, I think is their name or something. But they like work for better, I guess, like or something, or they were the original company that got bought by Jake. I don't know how it worked. But basically they their company that's now better, or I don't know if, if they built the the software. I don't know how it goes, Dom. But regardless, they were telling a story, they showed a TikTok. So for the Super Bowl last year, they were like near bankruptcy, their company. Okay. And they bet like I don't know if it was was it five grand or it might have been even more than that on heads for the coin toss to like keep their company going and it hit. So if they had missed, they would have lost everything. Wow. That's the generous right there. Yeah. That is quite a story, actually. That's incredible. Yeah. I might have to bet on the yeah. coin toss. Yeah. So those are some of the props I will be doing. I, mean, I might over on Jalen Hurts passing yards. I kind of like that one to hit because I don't expect this game to be a blowout by any means. Mm-hmm. And typically when Jalen Hurts goes under, it's because they've been building up big first-half leads on teams and then they just run yeah. the ball real heavy in the second half. Don't think that'll happen here. So. My name's Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Friday.